Welcome to Grave to Great. I'm your host, Tracy Wood, and this is our weekly podcast where we discuss end-of-life issues, hospice care, and implications for families and their caregivers. Let's get into the show. Hi, today I have with me Donna Vazado. She's a grief counselor with us here at Hospice of Chattanooga, and Donna does such amazing work with Aww. patients, families, and members of our community, Community, and we are just so blessed to have her with us. Her talents are amazing, and she's going to talk to us a little bit today about overdosing, mm-hmm. and National Overdose Awareness Day and Month is upon us, so she's going to share with us some of uh, the experiences that she's had within our community and how we can help support our, our communities and families. Take it away, Donna. Thank you so much for having me here um, to talk about something that's very um, close to my heart. Um, National Overdose Awareness Day, it's a global event held on August 31st each year and aims to raise awareness of overdose and you know, hopefully to reduce the stigma of a drug-related death. It also acknowledges the grief felt by families and and the friends um, that are impacted by this loss. Um, It's a day where, uh, that I didn't even know about when I started uh, to try to start a grief support group. I did it because I was noticing that there were moms who were suffering um, the loss of their adult children uh, to overdose. And um, I kind of felt like this is a story that they need to share with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of, it ended up that we scheduled it for August. And I mm-hmm. found out from the mom, one of the moms in the group, the day after the the actual first group, support grief support group, that um, it was, National Overdose Awareness Month, and I had wow. I didn't even know that. Um, I didn't go out to do it in August because of this uh, Awareness Day, but it it w- became even more meaningful in terms of like it's supposed to be. We're supposed to do this. Yes. So I can imagine um, the impact that it had when you found out that it is. I mean, you know, what a coincidence that is. Right. And right. So for families and that are here after their loved one has passed away to be able to have that outlet. So I definitely commend you for for seeking to to reach out to those families and help support them. Mm-hmm. What are some of the biggest common denominators that you've seen with the families that you've talked with? That uh that this type, this kind of death is uh, often stigmatized. Um, it, it's very isolating. It's also a, a death that people um, think that it was a moral choice. Um, but, uh, you know, there are more reports coming out right now in terms of um, that the opioid crisis is actually... Um, People are dying by by this drug um, because it's being laced with fentanyl. Mm. And so um, people that are um, addicted to this drug do it as an addiction. They didn't go out to get killed, basically, because right. that's what's happening. So right. it's almost like 
you know, they, they're they addicted, which is there's so much research out there on the uh, addicted brain and how it works. And so it's almost like a disease, right? right. It is a disease. I see it that way anyway. And, um, you know, they didn't go out to do this. And now it's getting, it's, it's becoming laced with this drug that is very deadly. Wow. And so not only is it a drug overdose, but it's almost like some, there have actually been, um, investigations further into it because they're finding that it might be like even in a community where several deaths have happened and um it's because of how deadly this drug is so it's almost like homicide homicide. yeah yeah Yeah. and there's a lot of investigation they're trying to trace to see because it's so dangerous yes so how how do you know families how are they coping like just day-to-day coping mm-hmm. uh, now with, you, you know, with your sessions available, I'm sure that helps help to give them some support mm-hmm. and outlets. But, you know, even now with COVID, we all feel a sense of isolation, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then to have the stigma of losing a loved one mm-hmm. um, and feeling that hurt because at the end of the day, you still love your loved one in spite of. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So it's hard to, uh, I'm sure it's hard for family members to be able to really wrap their heads around and mm-hmm. rationalize mm-hmm. and navigate those things. So how, what advice do you give to, to mm-hmm. families to, that you meet for the first time? Right. Um, it's one of those very sacred meetings when I meet a mom, especially, um, and not only moms are affected, um, impacted, you know, um, one of my moms is a very, the, one of the moms in the group is a, she's just become this very passionate person, um, about the cause. And she, um, even has told me that she's even expressed to me that, one of the things that has been so refreshing about being able to find a group like this is because she knows other moms are actually suffering the way she is. And that's Mm. why I set out to do this because, you know, it's, it's, it impacts. And she was telling me that there were 10, at least 10 family and friends are going to be greatly affected by the death of one person who dies this way. Um, But like really, um, and she's done so much research. And one of the other things that stands out about moms and families dealing with a, a death by overdose is that it becomes sometimes even a spiritual conflict within themselves. I can imagine that. Mm-hmm. And so um, through their experience, I think that there's um, a certain uh, kind of growth that, that comes about because of that. And um, I had, uh, when I was a little girl, my uncle died by, um, he was an alcoholic and he died. Basically he drank himself to death and, um, we, the family found him in his apartment. And I remember, re- remember how my grandmother suffered. She was a, a very devout Christian woman. She was um, the type that started her conversation with the Lord in the morning. And um, she literally had a nervous breakdown wow. after my uncle died. 
And I think that that is the reason why I feel so close to this topic because yes. my grandmother's life changed completely. Yes. And it took because her a long time. Because it's not the natural order. No. You know, to no. lose a child is not the natural order of life. So it's so difficult for parents that have lost their children to... Mm-hmm even survive after that you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I can I understand how it could have yes changed her life yes yes it's something that you will never forget and um it's um no death is you know comfortable but it's one of those um deaths that you um hope that you can provide support and resources to families at a time like this. So if we have um, people listening today that would like to join your group, how do they do that? So they would call um, the hospice brief counseling department and that number is 423-892-4289. Um, and they'll connect you to the grief department line and you can leave a message or, um, and we'll get right back to you and talk with you about how to get uh, connected. And so these, these sessions are primarily held uh, virtually. Mm-hmm, yes. And so we can, people from all across the country can join these grief counseling sessions. Also, if um, you want to go to our website, uh, www.hospiceofchattanooga.org, you can find information there on how to contact our grief support services. Today, we're talking about overdose awareness and when families and, and moms lose their their loved one to a drug overdose. And so that is a, such a dreary, grave feeling. How does a family member, how does one, how does a mom get from feeling this sense of feeling so sad and grave Mm-hmm. to feeling better, getting mm-hmm. to a sense of the person that they were before this, or mm-hmm. even better. So how do they go from grave to great? Well, in any grief experience, we, um, as grief counselors, I kind of always keep a little model in the back of my head. And um, it is a model by uh, William Warden. And he writes about the four tasks of grief. And um, if people kind of go through those tasks they have it's almost like they have a a a healthier outcome in the future as far as where their grief journey is um and the four tasks and they don't even have to go in this uh, order but the first one is adjusting accepting the reality of the loss the uh, second one he mentions is experiencing the pain of grief The third one he mentions, this task is adjusting to a world without the person physically being there anymore. And then the fourth one is the task of uh, restoration and growth and uh, moving in the direction of um, never, ever getting over the death, but getting through it. And so when I work with anyone Um, those are the kind of the markers that I look for as far as, um, the devastation that someone has, especially since we're talking about moms, the devastation of losing, you know, a child preceding them in death that, um, 
that they can experience the pain and know it's okay having that support and understanding that have uh, experienced people who have actually um, have actually experienced that they get straight to work. They don't do tasks like the way I mentioned them. They literally, through their grief, they march on the floor and they just start working and because it's a cause that they're going to take. And so um, those are some of the things that I think that we see in people who have um, a healthier outcome when it comes to grief. Thank you so much, Donna, for coming in today and sharing your, your experiences and talking a little bit about this amazing grief support group you put together. We appreciate it. Thank you for your support. Thanks for listening. To keep up to date with our future episodes, head on over to GraveToGreat.com and be sure to give us a review of your favorite podcast app. We'll be back with a new episode next week. See you then. See you then.